Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? Starting season two of the state of the New York Knicks. It's your boy, Slizzy. And I got my guy, Mr. Mitchell, in the building. Episode 50. I hope y'all like this. Y'all, I, I, like, I, I, I'm so excited, man. I, I don't even know what to think. I don't even know what to say. I'm just excited for next season and next basketball. But let me get right into it. How you doing, my guy? How's everybody doing? Yeah, doing well over this way, bro. The family's doing really good. Um, been been watching a little bit of the uh, FIBA tournament, so I've been enjoying that while the off season's on. So, but yeah, I'm I'm like yourself, bro. I'm I'm getting pumped and getting really excited for the upcoming season. I think it's going to be a um, a really positive season for our Knicks for a change. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, so today we got, well, tonight actually, well, where I'm at, it's about 12.48 a.m. <laughs> I know where you at, it's probably like six something. <laughs> but, um, we're going to get into Carmelo. We're going to get into Frank Milikina. And we're going to get into our schedule. Which came out, and I felt like we need to just get the Carmelo Anthony situation out the. Just let let's just get it out the way first, because I know, like you, I didn't heard everybody and their mother speak on Carmelo Anthony. I heard all of the reports, heard the Carmelo working out with the Nets players. I heard the Roy. Ball and Melo. And how LeBron and his banana boat crew isn't helping Melo out. So, I just, I, I just, it, before you begin, I want to ask you this question. This is what I ask everybody who, you know, hates on Melo. Excuse my French, shits on Melo. I want to ask you before you, you know, you get into your Melo rant, and I'm gonna get into mine. Who was Carmelo Anthony's second best teammate? <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, you know, uh, like yourself, I I didn't think they ever really put a team around Melo to help him um, at all. Um, you know, um, they could have done a lot better considering considering the trade that they did for him. They could have done a lot better. Um, you would have thought, well, if they were going to invest in a trade for someone like that. And, and they did bring him over while he was still in his prime. Why waste it? Um, so, yeah, as uh, to the question, it, it, it's a really good question because, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he, there was a lot of times he you, you sat back and watched and he was in games where he was just doing everything by himself pretty much. Um, you know, he, he, I always say he, he believes New York. He loves New York. He wanted to come to New York. Um, yep. So, you know, I've always been a fan of Melo. And, um, but yeah, just off the top of my head, I, I, I couldn't really pick a standout, um, you know, second, <laughs> second star next to him, really. Brother, and before you continue, as I, when I ask you that question and you thinking about it, because I know you're still thinking about it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a few names that people then told me. See, this is why I hate them Facebook groups, bro. Because 
It be people writing blasphemy in these Facebook groups that be pissing me off sometimes. So dudes telling me, Amari Stoudemire, J.R. Smith, Chauncey Billups, Allen Iverson. Yo, every single one of those. First of all, when he had J.R. Smith, he was in his prime. But that can't be your second best player on the championship team, as we, me and you both know. Amari, his knees was older than his age times two. And Chauncey was old. And Allen Iverson was old. So I'm 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 curious to know who you think is second best player before we really yeah, I get mean, into this Carmelo Anthony talk. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like you mentioned names, like he's played with Iverson, he's played with Jason Kidd, he's played with Chauncey Billups, um, he's played with a, a little sort of known guy by the name of Andre Miller, um, J.R. Smith, mm-hmm. Mike Bibby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashid Wallace. Um, I mean, you know, Rashid Wallace. Everybody you name is old. Exactly. Kenyon Martin, Tyson Chandler. Like, um, I think Aman Shumpert played with him for a bit. I mean, if if I was going to pick a name out of those, I'd, I'd go with Shumpert only because I'd say, you know, as a six man, um, you know, I, I thought like coming off the bench, he, he's not too bad. I wouldn't say he was ever a good starter, but off the bench, he, he's always been not too bad off the bench. Um, and then, I mean, you know, I know it wasn't with Carmelo, but, I mean, you look at what he did with, with the Kings coming off the bench and, and helping out over there. So I've always thought he was a very good bench guy to have. So if, if I was just going to pick a random name um, out, out of the group, I, I'd say Shumpert only because of his age. He, he was probably the youngest of that group I just went, went through. <laughs> yeah, that is laughable that you just said. Exactly. When you got Hall of Famers like Gary Payton and he get Sean Kemp, you know, people in their prime. I wonder if you switch Paul Pierce with Carmelo Anthony, will Carmelo have a championship right now? Will we view him different? Or would, you know, the general public view him different? Because I've heard other podcasts. You know, you got the biased dudes, mellow stinks, his ego, he passes prime, blah, 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 blah. Or just a bunch of mellow hate, a bunch of basketball bias where I'm like, the dude could still play. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. If, like, Eric Dudley could get a job, then. <laughs> well, I, I always look at it like this if Michael Beasley got signed, how is Carmelo not signed? Because, I mean, the, the man, <laughs> from what I can see, um, He's still training his ass off. He, he still looks in, in pretty damn good shape, if you ask me. Um, he's still got a spring or two left in his step, um, you know. So he, he'd he be good coming off the bench for somebody. That's that's what I can't understand. I, um, at the end of the day, if you, any, any team out there that's going to grab him is grabbing him for his offense. We know that. Um, and, and, and I think he can still go on offense. Uh, I think he can still bring something on offense. Um, and, and bringing him off the bench, you could, if, if you've got a good defensive bench as well, you, you could hide him and, you know, when it comes to uh-huh. the defensive end. But to, to, for all the teams to shun him, so to speak, um, it's looking at, with, without him obviously doing any protests or that, but the league's pretty much done to him what the NFL's done to Kaepernick. Like, Kaepernick can't get a bloody oh, break, God. you know? Um and I mean, you know, even with him, like he's not the greatest quarterback out there, but he'll do the job if you need a decent, you know, quarterback. He'll, he'll run around, he'll pass the ball off, you know. So Carmelo's still got 
life left. That, 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 that's the thing. And um, I, I think it's a real tragedy, I think the word I'm, I was looking for, um, that he's, he's not being picked up. He's not even being looked at. Like, I thought he might have had an opportunity with the Lakers. I thought, oh, yeah, LeBron might get him in there, uh, especially when, you know, they had to wait on Kawhi. So they missed out on a lot of a lot of good talent that was still available while they were waiting on Kawhi. So I, I was just putting two and two together thinking, well, it's, it's the most logical place for him to go uh, to, to probably finish out maybe one one or two seasons and then and then totally bow out. But it didn't happen. Uh, so I, I really hope he gets he gets on a squad somewhere. I really do because it, it'll be sad to see him sort of you know ride off into the sunset um, without it being on his own terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, just real quick, you know, let's let, let let's get it like just real quick. Let's really get into his next stay, right? So people, we talk about Melo. You know, the objective people be like, well, he played no defense. Uh, when you're. That team was old veterans who obviously could carry the the, 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 the leadership role that Melo is void of. Then, then, I mean, hey, you how Phil Jackson comes in. Granted, I wanted him to. Or Dolan, we say we was going to say Dolan sell the team. I wanted Phil Jackson too. Phil Jackson basically came in and said, "We're going to give Joaquin Noah the worst contract in Knicks history. We're going to pay Courtney Lee twelve million. We're going to pay Derrick Rose, and we're going to give that team to Melo. And let's see if he could carry that with a nineteen-year-old Porzingis." So I, I say that to just. The people that like you gotta be the Carmelo Anthony situation. Granted, he put himself in that situation, but I never get mad when the NBA player goes for his money. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna yeah, that. Yeah. The NBA could chew you up and spit you out real fast and in a hurry. Um. So I guess we got to the Carmelo Anthony subject. You know, got to shout out to the boy, man. I hope he gets on the team. Hopefully Milwaukee, bro. I was thinking Milwaukee, man. Milwaukee yeah. Milwaukee would be a fit for Carmelo Anthony. I, I I don't know. It's just in my opinion. I think he would be a great fit. Um, Frank Nilekina. Now, we know our young boy, because we're both fans of him, and he's playing in the FIBA tournament. I'm pretty sure you've seen the highlights. I've seen the highlights myself, and – I'm pretty impressed, man. I, I, I'm pretty impressed. Um, I like what he brings to the game. Uh, at Argentina, he was three for three from the field. You know, he, you know, eight points, you know, three rebounds, three assists, one steal. You know, his box scores is never pretty, but his, his plus minus is insane. And during the five preparation games for France, is a plus 37 where Frank Nelikina is on the court. And his defensive rating on the court is a 66.1. So that's ridiculous, like, advanced analytics for Frank Nelikina. And the, the kid is young. The, this kid is young. 
He's 20, 21 years old. I, I, I'm really hoping, bro, before you go, I'm really hoping that David Fizdo just gives this kid a chance, man. I really want to see this kid play with talent on the floor with us, man. I really want to see him play, bro. Yeah, well, I've been uh, catching the highlights too myself. Um, and I, just straight off the bat, I, I mean, I can't for the life of me figure out why, um, you know, any scorer on the Knicks wouldn't want to play next to this dude. Um, he's just going to feed you the ball, play elite defense. You know, you, you're not going to let this kid walk. Um, I've noticed straight off the bat when, you know, uh, I've been watching his FIBA highlights that he's a lot bigger. Um, his handles were a lot tighter. Uh, you know, it, I guess his major weakness still is he's confident in his shot, but he, he did put up a few nice shots and his, his stroke did look a lot better than what it has in the past. But his confidence still needs to obviously get up there. But he, he's, as I said, a nice stroke. Um, that, that'll come around. Um, and with him, his style of play too, well, if he can get me, you know, 10 or 12 points a night, that, that's all I need from him because him feeding the ball out to the wing, uh, to the bigs, like just, just his his vision and his passing ability has gone up uh, another notch, in my opinion. Um, you know, he does what, what, what you want from a point guard, like setting up the offense, moving the ball. He gets players in the right place for good shots and he, and he plays pressure defense. Um, and, and he's yeah. still been showing that. He hasn't taken a step backwards when it, when it pertains to his defense. Um, so... Just surrounding with shooters and scorers, and he'll be good. You know, he's sort of, he's sort of in the. I still, you know, look at him as still in that Rondo sort of vision. Like Rondo, absolutely brilliant when it came to scoring. Not so much, but he could do everything else on that court. So that's how I look at Frank. And if Frank can be like a Rondo, as I said, and just just sometimes get you 10, 12 points, but play like Rondo defensively and and you know passing the ball around and stuff. Um, hey, give give him a go because what, with what I've seen him do in the FIBA tournament, just the way he's feeding uh, to his teammates, um, that's that's what I want to see. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of point guards, especially young point guards around that that's got his type of vision um, and and can sort of uh, command the offense and take control of it. Um, you know, he straight up just looks like a point guard. Um, you know, yeah. what more can you say? Looks like a typical point guard um and and then when he locks in rhythm um with his with especially with his decision making skills um you know he'll be a great closer in my opinion eventually um so it's just taking him a little bit longer than it does some other prospects to to come along in their game and and that can happen with a lot of europeans um when they're crossing over to the nba but i'm seeing the improvements that you want to see especially coming into what He's coming into his third season, full season. So um, I, have a, I have a feeling he, he's a lot more healthier as well. So that that's another good plus. Yeah, he, he, he looks in shape. 6'7", 225 pounds from the French Knicks pod, from what they said. Frank was a plus 17 versus Brazil, and he was a plus 18 against Argentina. Man, you need high IQ basketball players. I think the mold that David Fisdale should have, Franken, is sort of the Shane Battier type of role where you come, you defend, you could drill, you can handle the ball a little bit. I, I I want him in that kind of role on the court 
for you. Just for yeah. me personally. I hope David Fisdale just find this kid some minutes. I mean, I, I mean, it, it comes to the other, the point the other, in my mind. What, what you was going to say, bro? I was going to say, the other thing I noticed too is his first step seems to be a bit quicker, um, which yeah. was a surprise to me. Um, so, you know, he, he's um, passing as, a, a, again, like it, it appears on another level. Uh, again, once again, from where he's at. Yeah, anything I, I would like to see him add is just to get a consistent jumper and, and just, again, still be a little bit more aggressive when he does go into the rim. Um, if he could, you know, work on those two things, um, he'll be even more dangerous again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you see, when you're watching the clips of the FIBA tournament and you see clips of him running the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, Gobert, it looks beautiful, man. It looks just like him with Mitch. I mean, the kid has a high basketball IQ, and you need those players on your basketball team. I'm just curious about how Fisdale's going to find this guy's find this guy's minutes. I mean, injuries happen. Injuries is a part of the game. So we, we're, I'm very curious to see what he brings in this FIBA tournament because he's going to be an integral part of what the Knicks could do next season if he shows up in the tournament. Because if you look at the history, bro, everybody who plays in these USA tournaments, these basketball tournaments across seas, that next season when they come back, they have career highs across the board. And plus they learn moves and they come back with better leadership skills. I'm, I, I'm just curious about the roster construction and and where he's gonna fit, bro? Cause you know we got Dennis Smith Jr., we got R.J. Barrett. I definitely want to see Frank Nelakina play with R.J. Barrett. I'm not gonna lie to you. I definitely want to see him play with shooting bigs, and I, I want to see him guarding the best, the other team's best offensive player on the floor. I'm I'm curious to see what what do you think? Like best case scenario. Let, let, let's say base, best case scenario, right? For the FIBA tournament and then Frank coming in to train a camp with the Knicks. What, what is your best case scenario for him to have a successful season in, in the fantasy world? Yeah, well, you know, I think he's going to have to come in straight off the FIBA tournament. And then, as I said, he, he I have this feeling he's going to be put into competition with Alfred Payton and, Dennis Smith Jr. So he kind of needs to, I guess, stamp his stamp his authority on on the point guard spot. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see him be the backup, but I have this feeling the other two boys are ahead of him, um, only because he's still he's still developing. Um, you know, so yeah. I think at the moment when it pertains to point guards, he's obviously going to be third, or he's probably rostered at third string for for it at the moment. Whereas Alfred probably be the backup. Um, yeah, I, I could see time of him at, at shooting guard as well, uh, you know, because, um, you know, you never know with Dotson or, or Trier, you know, they might might go down with an injury or something, so they might need to put someone yeah. else in there. So, or small ball lineups. Yeah, yeah, with small ball lineups. The one player I'd love to see him play with um, besides RJ Barrett is, is uh, Ignis Brazdikas uh, because he's a big <laughs> shooter for three. So I have a feeling I could see, say, which I've seen Frank do in the FIBA tournament, you know, charging into the hoop and flicking it right out to the wing 
for a nice three-point shot, you know, setting his man up. So I would love to see those two on the court at the same time, if possible. Uh, uh, it, yo, it's crazy, man. I be forgetting we got Isnis, Iggy Brastingus, yo. I, I be forgetting about this kid, man. Shout-outs to Iggy. Yo, yo I'm really I, – I love Scott Perry, man. This guy – I get into an argument with my two friends, right? My friend Cal and my friend Chris, right? My friend Chris is a Knicks fan. And I get into an argument about the rosters. And when you just look at the Knicks roster and the young talent, and I compared it to the 2009 OKC Thunder, that you know that team that had Ibaka, that had Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, uh, young Russell, Harden, you know that team? Yeah. And I look at this Knicks team, and it's just so flourished with so much talent. It's just... And they got the right coach with the right GM. Like, just everything is just set up for greatness. And you see how the other day Kevin Knox comes out and he defends James Dolan with TMZ, you know, questions him. He say he plays Fortnite with his son. Shout-outs to Kevin Knox. Oh, I'm loving this roster, man. What What do you – as far as Frank Milikina is concerned, if he does makes if he does plays in the starting lineup at some point this season, what do you think that reason is attributed to? I have a feeling it'll be one of two reasons. I have a feeling it'll be either due to injury, obviously first and foremost, or it'll be due to you know obviously not good enough play, so to speak. So. If, say, Dennis Smith or, or uh, Alfred Payton, for example, aren't playing up to the standard that they're expected to be playing at, then, you know, obviously they're, they're going to be dropped back and you're going to give Frank a go. Or, um, you know, I think Kadeem Allen's still still around on the roster too. So he'll be hanging around there biting, you know, for his opportunity as well to get out there. So it's going to be a competition. Like when it comes, as I said, with when it comes, pertains to that point guard, you got four, four guys there in reality, um, all vying for, you know, time at the point guard at the one. Um, so, as I said, it's going to – I've been intrigued. I've been thinking about this for weeks. That That's the, the point guard spot, for not just the starting role, but the backup role. It's got me yeah. intrigued. It's got me really intrigued because you've got – as I said, you've got four guys that, that are going to be fighting for both both roles. So, it's going to be tough, you know, for Frank. It, it really is because Alfred Payton's going to come there with something to prove. Uh, Dennis Smith's yeah. going to want to want to prove and, and and have a you know a standout year. Um, and he's yeah. he's looking good. He's looking really good. Um, so yeah. As I said, it, it's going to be difficult. It, it's one of those questions at the moment. You know, no one could really sort of go. Yeah, he's definitely got it, or he's definitely. They all look good at the moment. It's just about who's going to come out. Who wants? Who wants a spot more? Like who wants a starting role more? Um, yeah, it, it's. I think it's going to come down to who who's hungry. Who's the most hungry out of those four guys? So, so as we looking at the guard positions, right? The point guard and the shooting guard spot, and we and and I'm thinking five guys off the top of my head. You go RJ, Trier, DSJ, Alfred Payton, Frank Nalakina. So that's five guards right there, right? Mm. Each guard has a specific skill that they're very good at, but also has a lot of deficiencies. 
you know, you got Dennis Smith Jr. So I want to just see progress from each guard in a specific area and see if Fizdale could run the type of because this team, he needs to run a motion offense. His offense should not be Frank Melikina go stand in the corner because when you're watching the FIBA tournament and you're watching France, they do a, they run a lot of motion offense, bro, where Frank will be in the corner, but then he's coming down off a, a, a down screen or a curl screen. You know, or, or he's coming off a curl and, and he's getting the ball and he's he's running another pick and roll action. So I'm, I need to see constant ball movement, constant movement. And that's why one of the reasons why me and you was both high on the Alfred Payton pick because he's not looking to score. He's looking to pass. And we need high IQ guys who loves to see other guys score. So before we even get in the schedule, you know, we you, you know for a couple of weeks, I know you've seen some of, some of the things. I'm going to tell you some, and I guess you could run some at me before we get into the schedule, you know. You got Bobby Porter's talking uh, about the Knicks and talking about coming off the bench. He, he doesn't care if he want to start or not. Um, that's part of building team culture. Um, I, I'm loving that. Um, and also, bro, Taj Gibson. You know, Taj Gibson... Said something. Said something. His quote. It it really didn't say nothing about, you know, starting or coming off the bench or even playing. It it, it was really about, you know, helping the helping the guys get better. So, I'm curious to see like what what, what is your what is your two main things, bro. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting you brought up Taj's speech because, you know, it sort of gave the impression to me that I think he's, I think he's resolved to to being just the voice in the locker room, maybe sort of being like a uh, a, a Donis Haslam type role. Like he might get some playing time here and there, but it's more about just that veteran veteran leadership. Um, he's going to act like a another sort of coach I, I guess uh, you know unless unless he's you know called upon so uh, Bobby Portis oh, I'm loving his attitude uh, you know I, I love the fact that he just wants to get out there and win and he, he doesn't care if he has to do that you know from the bench or, or if he's in the starting lineup you know and I see with with Fizdale, I see him moving him in between you know certain games with certain lineups and mix and matching certain lineups and playing around with that, especially early in the season, like most coaches do, until they, you know, find their right groove, so to speak, with their lineup. So, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's going to be very interesting. Again, you know, there's going to be a bit of competition there because you haven't just got Taj Gibson there. You've got uh, Bobby Portis. You've got Julius Randle. Uh, you've got uh, Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris... Is the one I'm curious to see. Is Fisdale going to start Morris, or is he going to bring him off the bench? Because he, he can, he can, he, you can do either with him because he, he was doing that at yeah. You know? um, his three point shooting is, is a big thing. It's going to be a big thing, um, especially like you know, you bring him on, and then when when you when it's time to bring him off, you interchange him with say Iggy. So you're not losing anything from the wing perspective with big man, um, you know, three points. So, yeah. Yeah, 
we've got a hell of a side. When, when you look at it on paper, um, we've got a hell of a team there. Uh, and now it's now it's just time for, I guess, Fisdale to implement a system um, this year and, and uh, you know, see what works within within his system that he wants to implement. Um, and then eventually he'll, you know, he'll suss out what what's going to work with the starting five. Um, I believe, though, that at the moment, the starting five would probably be something along the lines of RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox, uh, Marcus Morris or Julius Randle and, and Mitch will be the centre. So it just all depend on on who's going to come out too with that four position, uh, who's going to start. Who, who, I, I would probably say Julius might likely have that spot at the moment, but again, it, it, it all depends on, on what Fisdale wants to do and how he wants to play. Uh, so and definitely I want to see ball movement. You know, I, I, I want to see plenty of ball movement. Yeah, I definitely agree, man. I definitely want to see a lot of ball movement. So let's get right into the schedule. So, you know, the next, you know, we usually have one of those damaging West Coast trips. We usually have about four of them. But this year, you know, they kept it down. You know, we only got, I think, at least two. And the schedule favors us this year. You know, let's say the Knicks got the 12th easiest schedule. And, you know, we got a lot of known games. You know, we have Brooklyn early in the season, Boston early in the season. San Antonio is our first game. Um, 13 back-to-backs. Some notable games, you know, we got against Dallas when Porzingis returns on November the 8th. And then next week on TNT on November the 14th. I hope we smash them both games. Um, I'm curious to see, bro, as I'm looking at this schedule, our hardest stretch is December. I say. Oh no! Hang on. Beginning of December. <laughs> I see a good stretch. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go because I'm looking at it now, and it, and it looks. I'm looking. Oh my Jesus. I'm looking at November 20, like, this, this is just an East Coast run through, which, you know, even though they lost Kawhi, I still think they'll be, you know, re, uh, you know, a decent strength team. So, November 27 at Toronto, followed by November 29 at home against December 1 at home against Boston, followed by December 2nd at Milwaukee. Jesus Christ. December oh. 5 against Denver at MSG, and then December 7th, uh, at MSG against Indiana, followed by a trip oh, out west against Portland, and then against Golden State, followed <laughs> by Sacramento, followed by Denver. So that little <laughs> that that run from about November twenty seven through to December fifteen is that's a that's a hell of a stretch. That's the season. Yeah, I'm calling it. <laughs> I'm calling it by by by. Bro, by December fifteenth, when we do that podcast, <laughs> yeah. it's either gonna be a happy one or it's gonna be a sad one. And I mean, you know, it, it, I'm look going back up the top again. I mean, yeah, I think we'll win the. I think we can win the first two games away. Personally, I think we can. Now, be, I think we can win the first three. 
I disagree. I think we can win the first three. I definitely do think we can go three and no. That's where if we can start off three and no, and that's what I'm hoping for. The only the, the, well, put it this way: out of the first five teams, so you got San Antonio, Brooklyn, Boston, Chicago, Orlando. The only team that worries me out of that slightly would be Boston, even even though that's at home. Um, you know, because they still they've, they've still got Haywood. They've still he, he could come back healthier again. They've still got um, Kemba Walker there. You know, they've they've got a, yeah. a pretty good side still left there, considering they did lose Kyrie and Al Horford. Um, I mean, I'm not really worried about Enos Cantor or anything like that, mind you, but they've still, they've still got some players on that team. And, I mean, I'm a fan of Jalen Brown. Uh, so that's the only team that worries me. As I said, I think we'll run through San Antonio, Brooklyn. Uh, Chicago shouldn't be a problem. Orlando probably shouldn't be a problem, even though that's at Amway Centre. Um, the, the, the first game against Sacramento, I'm interested in. That'll, that'll be a, a really good clash. Um, at Madison yeah. Square. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I expect big things from Sacramento out west this year. Um, I think they might even take slip in and take the Warriors spot. That That's how confident I've got in them. Um, you know, Warriors losing Durant, obviously. Uh, Clay Thompson, they don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, they lost Cousins. So, they, uh, Igdala. So, they've had a bit of a roster turnover there. They're going to kind of rely on on Steph and Draymond pretty much the fir- majority of the first half of the season, at least I can see until possibly Clay might even be cleared to come back. So they're going to have it really, really tough, which I mean, it is good to see considering they have been on top the last several years. So it's going to, it's going to be good because we're going to see new teams both in the Western conference and Eastern conference show up um, that might not have been in the playoffs the last couple of seasons. So, I'm really looking forward to the season as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so, yeah, that first, that November stretch to December is a damn, that's damn right there. But mm. right after, right, you know, I'm looking at January, and I'm looking at the schedule. We got another tough stretch out west. Yeah. In the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. It's Portland, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Lakers, Utah, and the Pelicans. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the second tough stretch. Yeah, so I'm looking at that stretch as a a stretch that I hope we above 500 in. Because that stretch, because you, you, you always want to start off the new year hot. You always want to start off the new year fresh. And maybe some games away from home, the team could get some fresh air, get away from the media, and maybe they could get some wins out west. You know, I, I think we could sneak out at least three of those teams, at least. Yeah. Or, or, or I think we could sneak out at least three of those teams. I'm pretty sure. Because by that time, I'm pretty sure RJ Barrett and Kevin Knox should be on the road. Yeah, I'd, I'd say out, out of that stretch there, just from looking at it, I'd say the Clippers and Utah would be the two the two hardest teams out of out of the teams you mentioned. I think I think Phoenix we we could probably get a win. Um, Lakers, I have a feeling we could get a win. I'm not really worried about the Lakers. Um, New Orleans, of course, we know that's going to be a tough one because you know they've got Zion, they've, they've got a good young squad there, so that'll be another good game to watch. Uh, Oh, yeah, I definitely. 
dare say that's going to be a must-watch game. But um, Utah Jazz, I, I, a lot of people, we, we talk about this all the time, me and you, you. Utah Jazz doesn't get spoken enough when it comes to the West. And they, they're under the radar team for me this season. I, I think they're going to do a lot of good things as like, long as Mike Conley can stay healthy. I, I said I, I said in my prediction, I said they're a top three seed. I remember saying that. I said a top three seed. Because mm. I, I like that team. I like the way they built. As long as Rudy Gobert, he got to get a three-point shot. That's the only way. He has to space the floor. When you... When you watch the NBA now and I watch the finals, everybody, big man, was shooting the three. You have to space the floor in today's NBA. That's why Mitchell Robinson, a part of his development has to be the three ball. has to be able to shoot the three-point shot. So you need to be a big man in this league and, and be able to shoot the three these days. Like, you, you just yeah, – yeah. I don't think you can really succeed without – you know, shooting the three ball. You know, it, you don't have to be Steph Curry by any means, but you just at least have to be, you know, dangerous enough that the opposition's going to come out there and defend you because they know you can shoot it. So, um, and like you said, we've seen that in the playoffs. You need a big man that can shoot a three. So. Yeah. So, I'm looking at February, right? And I'm seeing a win streak happening. I'm, I'm looking at a win streak, a possible win streak. Right, because this this is probably the easiest month we have in in any in the whole schedule. So you got Indiana, Cleveland, Orlando, then Detroit, then Atlanta, then we home at Washington. Then it's the All Star break. Then we got Indiana. Then we away at Houston, away at Charlotte, away at Philly, and then we home at Chicago. We can, those are definitely winnable games that whole month. Now, this month could mean we either can make a break for the playoffs or we're going for 33 wins in the number one pick. So, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, bro. What, what games do you see that from that month that we, we could definitely for sure win? That you think in that stretch there, um, that I'm looking at. I I have a feeling that uh, we can definitely beat Cleveland, definitely beat Orlando, uh, definitely beat Detroit. Uh, I have a feeling we could, uh, yeah, even beat Atlanta away. Um, Washington, of course, will, will will be a little bit hard because I'll still have Beal there, but it, it could be another again another possible winning game there. Um, Charlotte, uh, Philly, I think we can win both games. Um, Philadelphia, it's funny. A lot of a lot of people I hear that they oh, big bad Philadelphia. They don't scare me, to be quite honest. They really don't, especially now that they've lost. <laughs> um, they don't scare me. Like I love Jojo. Don't get me wrong, but until he can prove he can actually stay healthy and, and probably, you know, uh, up his game just a little bit more. Uh, again, it, it, it doesn't scare me. Um, ben Simmons, well, can't shoot, doesn't scare me. Um, Tobias Harris, <laughs> Tobias Harris, like he, he's he, not he, scary at all. Uh, he's, he's not scary. Like, don't get me wrong, they've, they've got a decent team there, but they're not as I don't think they're as strong as as what a lot of people think they are. Like Milwaukee, as far as I'm concerned, is like leagues ahead of them. Like, <laughs> so. so 
you know, I'm not worried about Philadelphia. Um, Yo, you know why you talking shit? Excuse my French, <laughs> but I had to say you talking shit. Because we got Mitchell Robinson. And then when you got a Mitchell Robinson and a guy you know for a fact is going to challenge every shot at the rim, you don't really care for people like Joel Embiid. Granted, no. that guy's a generational talent, but he doesn't scare me either, bro. So I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, Philly doesn't scare me at all. I, I definitely agree with you. Until Ben Simmons gets a three-point shot or, 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 or something changed, Philly doesn't scare me at all. I think I have to disagree with you with some of these games. I feel like I feel like we always get smashed by Washington. I don't know. For these past few years, I feel like we always lose to them for some reason. And I feel like we always get beat up by Detroit. Like Detroit game, I seen the Knicks play against them last year. I think we got beat by like at least ten because Blake. Nobody can stop Blake Griffin. But you know, that's when you got Julius Randle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. We've we got boys now. That, that's why I'm a little bit more confident when we come up against Detroit that we've actually got guys that, are, that aren't going to be scared of Blake Griffin and, and, and Andre Drummond and might even even get in there and push him around a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do agree with you with Washington. Washington will be, will be the tough one. But, I mean, we've got Bobby Portis now, so he might have some, you know, tricks up his sleeve and inside knowledge, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bobby Portis most definitely. Yeah, I if I will, I'm gonna be pissed off if this team don't lead the league in tax and flagrant fouls this season. I'm <laughs> and I'm yeah. dead serious. I don't mean that in a bad basketball sense, but I'm dead serious when I say that because there should be no reason why anybody on the Knicks don't play like they pissed off every night. <laughs> but yeah, well, we we got we got guys there that that are gonna kind of remind me of the. Of the Wallace brothers, like <laughs> just defensively and <laughs> style, um, I think that's what we've been lacking when we come up against teams like Detroit, for example. That that's why when I looked at Detroit, I was like, yeah, we have been smashed, you know, in previous years by Detroit, but this year with the boys that we got on the team now, I'm like, nah, it's not going to be that easy for Detroit this time around. All right, all right. Well, I have to give I have to give it to you with that one. Is Julius Randle, whew, that that boy, dog chains. <laughs> dog, every time I, I, I think of Julius Randle, straight dog chains. He, he, both, both him and Bobby Portis are, 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 are like, you know, have to be two of the meanest dudes on, on the court. Like, and, and, and they just, they exuberate it, you know? You know what I mean? Like, that, they're bad boys. They want to get out there, they'll rough you up and get in your face. And they're not scared, they're not shy. Um, that's why I, I loved it when we signed them both because I was like, God, we've been missing two big boys like this that can get in there and, and muscle up with the other big boys around the league. Um, and now we're not going to be pushed around as much in, in the paint. That's that's what I'm going to love seeing this season for, for a change. The Knicks aren't going to be pushed around in the paint anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely agree with you there. So now I'm looking at March, right? And this is what I mean by our schedule is just like after that gruesome November twenty seventh trip that me and you was talking about. Uh, this March schedule looks easy. It, it it looks it looks gettable. I mean, we got Houston at home. We got four straight home games. 
Houston, Utah, OKC, um, and Detroit. And then we got three straight away games, Washington, Atlanta, Miami. I think we could definitely win all three away games. And you got to think about it, all those away games is kind of short-distance travels, so I'm not really worried about it. Then we get three days off, and then we face Charlotte and Boston. And then we get two days off again, and we get Golden State. So hopefully our team is healthy. Hopefully we, you know, we're in the playoff hunt, you know. Hopefully, we are playing games that's meaningful. I'm praying to God that R.J. Barrett just has a sensational season. I'm, I'm praying to God. So, you know, we got Golden State, the Clippers, Toronto, the Pelicans, and then Chicago. I see a lot of vulnerable games here. I think since we're definitely going to lose to Utah early in the season, I think we're going to sneak on them. I think we're going to sneak up on the Clippers. I think this is the month where we're going to lose to teams like Charlotte and we're going to lose to the Atlanta and we're going to lose to Houston. And I think we're going to lose to the Pelicans for the payback for the first game because I think we'll win the first game. But what are some of the games that you see that that intrigues you? And I'm going to highlight the Houston game at home because R.J. Barrett definitely did say he want to go up against James Harden. Yeah, yeah. And I think he would take that personal, that game. So I'm looking at here that will intrigue me, and obviously this will all come down to the health of of the upper the team, but April 1st at Memphis against Memphis. I'm intrigued with that game because Jaron Jackson against Julius Randle, Dennis Smith against uh, Ja Morant, uh, you know, oh. Brandon Clark against Bobby Porters and Mitchell Robinson. Like, there's a few good lineups, uh, matchups in that. In, in yeah, which intrigues me very much. Um, Memphis, you know, they're, they're going to be a really young team, but they're going to be a really hungry team too. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not expecting them obviously to make the playoffs next season, but I don't expect them to really fall as backwards as a lot of people might think they might fall, you know, since they don't have Gasol, they don't have Conley anymore. They they actually did quite well after after getting rid of those two, trading them away to to have the team that they've got on paper now. I'm actually, I actually don't mind their team, just, just looking over their team. Uh, you know, another few years, they're going to be pretty dangerous out west. So um, that that's an, an intriguing matchup. I also think... Um, the other intriguing matchup I'm looking at, of course, will be uh, the game against the Clippers at home on March 23. Um, that, that of course, will be it. Be obviously both Paul George and Kawhi are playing. That that's going to be a tester. Uh, anytime we come up against the Clippers now, if those two, if those two are in the lineup the night that we play them, of course, that's that's going to be a good test because if if any of the games we play against the Clippers, whether that be um, you know, at Staples or at MSG. If if we could at least win one of those games throughout the season, that that to me is a positive to to be able to go, especially if both those two all stars are playing. Uh, to yeah. for our squad to be a team with those two boys in it, that'll be a big step for us. That that to me would be a big positive um, to come away with a win against the Clippers. Um, as I said, they're, they're going to be really hard to beat. I know they're going to be doing a lot of load management throughout the season, obviously. Um, so there might be, might be a game or two that we do play them that 
there might not be a Paul George in the team and that. So yeah, it intrigues me with them too because of that. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not really worried about Orlando. Miami intrigues me. I know they've got Jimmy Butler there, who's doing a little bit of recruiting at the moment with John Wall and Bradley Beal. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. What's going to go? What's going on in that situation? I know the whole Miami and Washington talking about it's been going on for. If Miami can pull it off somehow and get both Bradley Bill and John Wall to Miami with Jimmy Butler, um, and John Wall comes back healthy, they're going to be a dangerous team in the East. Obviously, can't give up Bam. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing. They can't give up. They can't give up Bam. But the latest rumours I I heard was Miami was a little bit. Standoffish on, on on giving up Winslow, but now they're talking about that they they would be interested in giving up Winslow if it meant getting both we, uh, Beal and John Wall in return. So I'm keeping an eye on that situation because, as I said, with Pat Riley, um, he's always been known to pull things, you know, just out of thin air, so to speak. Um, so I'm very curious and and keeping my eye on that situation because, as I said, if Miami can pull it off, which they've been wanting to do by the looks of it and very interested in doing it. Um, That shoots shoots Miami from where I've currently got them in the standings right up into the top three as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the East, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. John Wall, as long as they keep them and they keep Tyler Hero and they can just trade everybody else and get back, you know, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, tough. Put it this way, I have looked over it and and they've definitely got the talent and the assets there to get a deal done to, to bring both Beal and Wall over. You know, um so with some of the contracts there, like Kelly Olenek's contract, um, Justice Winslow's, uh Dion Waiters, uh James Johnson, like there there's four contracts straight up that that boom, see you later, off you go to Washington. You know, we'll bring it back. I think that's – and then that was the whole thing, I think, that was holding up early in the piece was Washington saying to him, you know, if you want Bradley Beal, then we're going to attach John Wall's contract because we want to get out from under it. And um, Miami finally come around on that idea of bringing him in, hope, hoping that John Wall will come back, you know, as good as ever. Yeah, Washington is – I'm glad we got Scott Perry because Washington management is ridiculous. Yeah, you got John Wall. He's hurt. You don't. You don't want to trade Bradley Bill. You, you draft Roy Hakamura, which I do love. I love the pick, but bro, just tank. There's <laughs> no point in just trying to drag this roster along. Yeah. Just tank. It's, it's, I don't see the upside of the of that roster. So no. Yeah, kudos to him. I think eventually. Um, it'll probably happen by the trade deadline. I, I do think the deal will go through and, and they they will lose Bradley Beal with it, um, but they're going to have to. They're going to have to completely reboot in that sense. But, I mean, they'll they'll have those expiring contracts coming in. They'll still have Hachimura. They'll have a, a few good talent there that they can start, you know. So that's where I think Washington's going to go and, as I said, I think as the season goes along, the, the pressure will go, the pressure will come up, and and they'll pull the trigger on the trade to, with Miami. Yeah, yeah, that needs to happen ASAP. Yeah. ASAP. Because so, that was the, I mean, you know that you, you had to look at it the minute Miami got Butler, 
they they're always yeah. gonna they're always gonna make another move because you're not gonna bring Jimmy Butler in and not have you know another star talent at least with him. And um, yeah, as I said, this this bit this this deal between the two teams has been talked about for a while. So I see it happening. It's just now a matter of of when when the trigger gets pulled on the deal. Yeah, most definitely. I love that deal. I love I love DeMar DeRozan to Minnesota. I love DeMar DeRozan to Detroit as well. Um, it, it, it's a lot of future deals that we're definitely going to see. I, I'm pretty sure. It's, well, I, I, I can't wait for next season. I can't lie to you. Hopefully. The good you know, news is that Scott Perry's put us in a position too to be in that market as well, if, if need be. You know, if we need to make a couple of changes uh, heading into the deadline, you know, we We've got mm-hmm. uh, contracts that other teams will, will take on because they're not bloated. They're not bad contracts. So, uh, you know, us like like Miami and a few other teams around, we, we're in a good position like that. And uh, if a big name comes up that we or Scott Perry and David Fisdale look at and go, well, you know, that they'll fit our team. They'll fit mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, we've got the assets there to probably get a deal done. So I, I like that we've also got that option throughout the season because of the type of contracts we signed. Um, we've got a lot of flexibility and we haven't had that for a long time. So I, I think that's why Scott Perry, you know, you, you have to commend the bloke. You know, you have to take your hat off to him because without him, we wouldn't be in this position. And, and personally, I, I'd rather be a team in this position going into the season with a really good roster. But, you know, things yeah. can happen throughout the season. And if that roster, will, for some reason, isn't clicking, then we've got the assets there to get a deal done for bringing someone that, that is going to benefit our team. So, so, I'm happy. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. All right. That, that's just amazing, man. We got so much young talent. And... Finally, one more thing, man. Dennis Smith Jr. is one of nine players in NBA history to tally at least 1,700 points, 600 assists, and 400 rebounds, and 103 points made over his, over their first 120 career games. The eight other players are Damian Stoudemire, Iverson, Steve Francis, Gilbert Arenas, LeBron, Brandon Jennings, Kyrie, and Steph Curry. <laughs> like, Give these kids some time, man. Just give them some time. Let them bloom. And, and you, we're going to see. I was, just, I, was, I was actually going to say, bro, I'm glad you actually brought Dennis Smith Jr. up because, well, you know, with me early in the piece when we got him and, and I was a bit sceptical on him, I, I, you know, I, I loved his dunks and that. And, but that's all I was seeing was, was just his dunks. And, and, and I was like, oh, he's, he's hurt a lot. And I don't know if I can get behind this dude. But... This off season, with what I've been seeing and how big, like he he's Jack now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's hitting that weight room something cruel. Um, I'm loving what I'm seeing. Like, I watched a, a a good, I think it was like a good ten minute video of a pickup game that he was playing. He's like all in white, and damn, like he was pulling off shots that I haven't seen him pull off. Like his jump shot, his his, his mm-hmm. mechanics look better. Um. He looks healthier. He looks like he's got even more spring. I, I didn't think this was possible. More spring in his jump. Um, you're damn. Like, he's starting to make me a believer. He's starting to make me a believer. And I just want to see it in action now in, in when it, when the season starts because 
this this kid, I have a feeling, has got a fire in his belly, and he, he's going to have an explosion year, like in the form of De'Aaron Fox. Oh, I think this kid could be like he's just jumping out of his skin to get on that court. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, man. I'm I'm really excited for Dennis Smith Jr. So last thing before we both get out of here, you know, I want to say last thing, man. Bigger impact. Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, if we make it to the playoffs. I'll say Kevin Knox. Mm. Kevin Knox. I I, I, I say Kevin Knox because, you know, he – ever since he's come into the league, he's, you know, cop criticism left, right and centre from New York fans. Um. You know, you're either a fan of his or you're not. That That's what I notice in a lot of groups too. You, you either like him or you don't like him. I, I for one, like yourself, I, I, I've been behind him since day dot um, because I looked at him, I thought now, I was looking a bit more further into the future. Now, when he stops growing and he fills out more, he had that Giannis-type body structure. I'm sitting there going, this, he could be a bad boy. Yeah. And then I watched <laughs> Oh, man. I watched him in the summer league, and yeah, he did once. Uh, I think it was more that he, he his footing was just off, but you know what have you? He, he got manhandled, pushed over by Zion. But again, I just think that was more of a footing issue more than anything. Um, but he was he showed me not only had he been in the gym that that's for sure, um, and he looked healthier again. He his game had gone to another level, um, even with his passing. People I've seen last season, a lot of people will win. Oh, you know, he doesn't pass, he doesn't pass. But he was passing in summer league. He was, he was, he was getting that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was combining well with, with, with Mitchell. He was combining well with RJ. Knox is, oh, I'm expecting big things from him this season. Oh, I just think he's got a lot to prove. And he wants to come out once and for all and, and shut all the doubters up and, and say, right, I'm here. Um, and, and let's do this. Like, he's... He's big now. He, he's big. I think he's six ten. I'll be shocked if he's not six ten now. Oh, yo, man, yo, Kevin Knox. Well, finally, for I let. Well, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you say your last thing. I'm gonna let you go. But first, I'm gonna just get on on this Kevin Knox little talk. Man, I'm high on this kid. Um. David Fisdale drove. He was the one that drove the bus for this draft pick. He was the one that drove the front office and push for this draft pick. Um, Scott Perry was the one who 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 drove the bus for the RJ Barrett pick. So I'm just excited for Kevin Knox. I, I he's working hard. I see the videos. I'm I'm excited. I hope him and Marcus Morris become well. Marquise Morris become the fr- best of friends and Marcus Morris. Um, you see that both the twins are working out with Alfred Payton and DSJ in certain videos, so I'm loving that as well. And um, yeah, man, I'm excited. I, I, I'm definitely excited, bro. And, and 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 this this I know next season is gonna be crazy. But any final words for the people, my brother, before we get out of here? Yeah, just just to all the Knicks fans out there. Um... You know, I think everyone's excitement level should be up there. Um, we've got a lot of positives coming into this season to look forward to. Um, obviously, there's there's still the question yet of 
what sort of offense the Fisdale's going to run, but that should be answered, you know, hopefully soon. Um, so look forward to a more positive and season with more wins uh, and, and a lot better play in the sense of, uh, again, I'll come back to that uh, the first time in a long time, we're going to do a lot better in the paint. We've got some boys there now, so we're not going to be pushed around. Uh, expect a big bust out year from both Dennis Smith and Kevin Knox. Uh, I expect about halfway through the season for RJ to be quite comfortable and, and start, you know, showing out a bit more better than uh, coming into the second half of the season. Uh, so, yeah, just just have expectations, you know, at a, at a good level. And, um, yeah, let's get ready to see some winning Knicks basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, finally, man. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, um, well... Just like what my guy, Mr. Mitchell, just said, you know, I hope we see some good basketball. We haven't been to the playoffs in six years. Oh, my God. But, you know, it's been a journey. Shout out to the front office for hiring Scott Perry. Oh, man, I'm loving that pick, man. James Dolan, just stay out of the news. My God, please just stay out the news. And just let these men do their jobs like they've been doing. And I'm good, man. I'm happy to all the fans. I'm shout-outs to everybody that tunes in. We appreciate y'all. Shout-outs to everybody from Virginia. They love us over there. Great brand and, and all those states. We appreciate y'all as well. Everybody from Australia, I appreciate y'all as well that tunes in. State of New York Knicks podcast. It's your boy Slizzy. My guy, Mr. Mitchell. We out. Peace. Peace.